0: What are the chances that all this would happen during this, this week? It's good to see that. that um, I'm just rocked by this thing from Dagestan. That for praying for a month. You've got to understand, when, when you have given yourself to intercession and the prophetic, you begin to understand certain dimensions of spiritual reality that connects with natural reality. The natural things speak of the invisible the prayers I believe that i 've been part of praying over the last month have ignited a firestorm i 'm telling you laborers are going to Dagestan over the next uh, uh, over these next years. God is going to answer the prayers, and I believe Satan rose up and challenged Boston, which his calling is to be a light to the nations. I feel so stirred today about about what 's going on here and the encouragement even of this house. I wish you to turn with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 13. I felt like God gave me this word uh, for Daryl and Bethany. I give it to, to Daryl and Bethany, but I, I first of all connected to Bethany as a woman. Actually, the storyline of Daryl and Bethany, it just doesn't get any better than that storyline. Uh, I mean, I still remember them in 2000 at Loon Mountain. Singing in the end of silence. That band, the end of silence. I was in love with those guys. I didn't know who they were. I ran into a Nazarite woman in, in, in Loon Mountain. We stood on stage together. Remember, Bethany? And I felt like I found a true Nazarite of the heart. She actually came to me, if you don't know that. She said, all my life, I felt like I was different than other people. I didn't want to play the games everyone else played. I didn't want to do the TV stuff. I did. She said, I just wanted to burn and be separated to God. And she said when she heard the Nazarite message that I preached, it actually gave me permission to be who I already was. Amen. It gave me language of who I really was, a separated person unto God. By the way, that's the only thing that's going to shake Boston. Boston's not going to be shaken by some kind of seeker-sensitive, nice kind of community that just kind of blurs the edges. A prophetic sound will be a breaker anointing in this place. It It doesn't work otherwise. You just become like the community you're like trying to change. Anyway, let's take a look at this. I felt like the Lord gave me this word. And then Jesse, I want you to give that to me. In in, uh, in verse 31, he put a a parable before me saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Wow. grain of mustard seed, small little seed, the smallest of all seeds, becomes a great tree you don't even know how, you can't even see the tree grow. But the, the tree grows until the birds, which are the nations, are actually nesting in its tree. I want to tell you there is a mustard seed right here that in 20 years the nations will actually find themselves nesting in your branches. Let me just prophesy that. Amen. And the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And this is what hit me today. That a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took. I felt like the Lord gave me a word today. He took a woman with a certain DNA and gave her leaven and she sowed it in three measures. When I just put this before you as a prophetic word, I felt like the Lord speak to me that this place is too small. And there's not enough... I don't even need a word from God. <laughs> but I felt like God says, I'm going to surround this city with, with houses of worshipping Nazarite lovers that's going to actually leaven the whole city as you multiply. That maybe God has a plan more than not just a big building... Actually, a community that grows and leavens and multiplies until in every place of Harvard they can't get away from you. They can't get away from you now. They don't know what to do with (laughs) J.R. This is what Jesse had uh, found for me in a commentary. Jesus' next two bearables proved uh, closely parallel. They are not full-fledged narratives, but short analogies or similes. Each presents only one main character and probably teaches only one central truth. Jesus likens the kingdom to a mustard seed or a lump of yeast that grows from inauspicious, seemingly insignificant beginnings to attain a greater size or have more widespread influence than many would have had suspected. The current manifestation of Jesus' reign within Jesus' small band of disciples seems relatively impotent. But one day, many will be astonished about how their movement grew and impacted the world. Come on. Is that a major statement? Don't despise mustard seeds. There was a guy who started a movement called the Mustard Seed Organization. He was in in Germany. And a place called Halle, H-A-L-L-E, University, they started what was called the Order of the Mustard Seed. His name was Count Zinzendorf. And Count Zinzendorf is the guy that starts this little community of lovers of people, lovers of God, communities of prayer. And this little organization becomes what was called Zinzendorf, Zinzendorf, the, the Moravians, uh, what was it called? You know, hair Hut. A little community gathers together. They're completely divided. But they're separated to, to, uh, to God. They come together in unity. They take communion. The Holy Spirit falls. They launch a hundred year prayer meeting. That launches at the time. The birthing of the new modern day missions movement in 1727. All started from a group called the Little Mustard Seed. When I read the story of this community, it rocked my world. I was in a place, as you know, called Mott Auditorium in Pasadena. It was named after John R. Mott, the student volunteer missions movement leader that, you know, in the turn of the century into the 19, uh, 20th century, in the 1800s to the 1900s, we just went to D.L. Moody's Northfield campus today. I knelt at his grave with my son. What did they say? We... Are you guys, uh, what did the ladies, what did your mom say or whatever about that? Oh, you're praying you for the dead. dead people. you people. No, know, you're visiting dead people. No, I'm not visiting dead people. They're alive and pour the great cloud of witnesses. I'm not visiting dead people. I'm knocking, I'm, I'm commanding their bones to live again in this. So I just want to give you the roots. So, uh, the roots of where this sprang from in many ways. And so it was in 1996, actually 1993, a man named James Gull had gone to uh, where the Moravians had their prayer meeting, had their 100-year prayer meeting that birthed this great missions movement. And by the way, missions movements are fueled by prayer. You don't just go do them. Prayer is at the very fire, the source of all missions. When Jesus was ready to change the world, His last commandment was, Terry here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Then you'll go. It's prayer and mission. They go together. It's not just prayer. It's prayer and mission. But the furnace, the prayer furnace, is at the the foundation of it. So 1994, I am in my auditorium, my auditorium, 3,000 seat auditorium. It's basically an abandoned place. It's my prayer closet. I'm reading this article by this guy named James Gould. You've heard this, but I want to renew where this came from. You don't know where you're going. You have no shoots if you have no roots. You don't know where you're going if you don't know where you came from. This was born out of a foundational thing that took place in my life. There in 1994, I'm reading that article. And he's reading, he says... And God spoke to him that these bones are going to live again. The Moravian bones, 100-year prayer meeting, the missions movement. These bones are going to live again. And out of it, 120 cities will launch day and night prayer. And then it will spread to 3,000. And the houses of prayer will spread all over the world. When I read that... A fire was lit in my soul. I ran down into Mod Auditorium and I began to cry out to God. Here, Lord, Mod Auditorium, 24 hour house of prayer. Here, Lord, Mod Auditorium, 24 hour house of prayer. The phone rings that go up to the phone. My friend Chris Berglund, whom you've met, is on the phone. I say, Chris, I'm reading this article by this guy named James Gull. I'm praying Mott Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer on the Moravians. He says, Lou, that's why I'm calling you right now. Because you see, I am in this other city, and I'm listening to James Gull preach this very moment. He just stopped his message, interrupted his message, and began to prophesy. Lou Engle, Mott Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. Lou Engle, Mott Auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. When you get a prophetic whirlwind like that, it's not just so that you can be happy. It is actually it is actually a prophetic word that makes bones rattle and movements occur. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, good. I'm going to talk something tonight. I'm going to talk a while because I don't have that much time. I want to found you in the promises of God. They are all yes and amen. It may not look like it, But a grain of mustard seed is here. And if you can stay long enough with it, the day comes when Harvard and the nations actually find nesting in your branches. And I'm going to to speak to this thing. So two years go by in the 1996, we launched this house of prayer in my auditorium on a 40-day fast, on a 40-day fast, a 24-7 prayer kind of, My shift was 3 to 6. I had many dreams during that shift. (laughs) You you know what I mean? I I slept during those shifts and oh, God just visited me. (laughs) And in those days, God gave us key defining dreams which is a part of this community's history and heritage. You are a dream community. You have a portal from heaven to earth. God talks. This is my DNA. It's your DNA. And it's your DNA because you're in the community. Step into it and all of you are going to dream dreams and see visions. Come on. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, I'm going to dream dreams. Father, release dreams even tonight. Fuel great visions and storylines in these companies live in Jesus' name. So I'm in that prayer room and in those days God gave us Three or four divine assignments that I'm actually living on now. How many years later? 1996, 2006. How many? 17 years later. These words are this. A Buddhist house of prayer was on top of a Christian house of prayer. And the Buddhist house of prayer was dominating the Christian house of prayer. But the Christian house of prayer does a reversal and begins to dominate the Buddhist house of prayer. It is a defining word for the whole movement. God says, I'm gonna send prayer teams out of this movement that's gonna challenge Tibet. They're gonna challenge the Islamic houses of prayer in Dagestan, they're gonna challenge, and they're gonna challenge the secular houses of prayer in Harvard. Wherever there is a house that exalts itself against the knowledge and supremacy of Christ, I'm gonna raise up my house. To challenge that house. Not an angry, hate-filled house, but a spiritual contention that deals with principalities and powers from where all ideologies spring from. This community was meant to make war on Harvard's hellhole and its ideologies, not through an angry right kind of deal, but a spiritual violence in the heavens with fasting and prayer that moves angels and demons. Folks, we get to do this. Amen. You are part of the greatest lobbying organization <laughs> in history. You lobby, lobby a higher government, Come Come and you on. can go to the God's house without an appointment. Amen. Come on. Yes. That was number one. Number two. An audible voice in that time. It said, Stretch forth a wakening rod over the earth. Will you do that? I had an audible voice encounter. One of the stunning messages of my life. Stretch forth a wakening rod over the earth. Will you do that? It is in the assembly of the saints around the throne. Psalm 110. When the presence of the Lord is among you. The Lord said, Stretch forth your rod out of Zion and rule in the midst of your enemies. Do not diminish The power of this prayer community. When the presence of the Lord is there. And and in that presence. The Lord gives a word. Stretch out your rod to Dagestan. And in unity. We command awakening to Dagestan. And you can't see it. But angels are on the move. People are having dreams in Dagestan. And laborers are having callings to go to the Caucasus Mountains. Folks, we don't understand. This is the highest governmental place in the universe. Satan would seek to drive this company out as far as he can from this place. You are too dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't want you to get into a bigger building. Well, you don't need a bigger building. You just need two or three <laughs> constituted in prayer and symphonic intercession. That from that place, it says in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail. Like, oh, listen, the two or three small is the new big. Amen. It's not how big you can be, it's how constituted you can be in faith and in agreement. All you need. This is the democratization of impact. Wow. I love it. It, gets you, it brings you back to the lowest common domin- yeah. denominator yeah. of kingdom business. two or free. Constituted yeah. in such a way. Whatever they bind wow. shall be bound. And whatever they yeah. lose. Yeah. Folks, you have, we have no idea. We are a community of heaven on earth. Yeah. We are the new Moravian movement in the oh. earth. We are the grain of mustard seed. Sometimes we have to lift ourselves out of smallness. Thinking we're just a bunch of nobody sitting on the street out here, not enough room to grow but yeah, No, folks, you don't have the idea. This is where God says, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." The problem is we've been losing ground because we have communities of mobs and blobs. Rather than constituted communities who can do kingdom business in authoritative intercession. Time out. Someone should scream. (laughs) I never wanted to play for a losing team. (laughs) So, that's not where I was going to go, but this is where I am going. I'm giving you a little history. So, in my auditorium, the dream was, oh, so we'd have a 24-hour house of prayer. I remember going down into the Mott Auditorium. I had a vision of it filled with people, young people weeping. And, and the Lord speaks to me and says, this is John R. Mott Auditorium. And instantly I knew what it meant. Because John R. Mott in Boston, where we went today, made a covenant and launched a student missions movement in Northfield, 20,000 young people went to the nations. Many of them, their life expectancy was two or three years. But they shook China. They shook India. They, they shook Africa. The best and brightest students of New England set their face on the nations of the earth. This is your inheritance.
1: Come
0: on, This is John R. Maud Auditorium. And instantly I knew the Lord was saying, Mod Auditorium will be a place for a student volunteer missions movement. Day and night prayer, I walked out the door and I said, God, give me this campus. Yes. It's the U.S. Center for World Mission. I'm giving you history tonight. I want to give Bethany's history. I want to converge it together. This is John Armand Auditorium. God, give me this campus. I go to my friend Cheon." That, that afternoon we had a vision of called Antioch again Where they fasted and ministered to the Lord And sent laborers into the harvest field uh, uh, sent uh, forth Paul and Barnabas In the 40 days and 40 nights It was Antioch again That was the prophetic word You are the same DNA as I am in Pasadena right now We are in Antioch fasting Ministering to the Lord And it's going to release apostolic movements To the nations of the earth This is where all this is going that night I go to a vineyard pl- church in Glendale, some obscure little place in the middle of nowhere where God always starts movements. He doesn't, re- he doesn't usually start movements in big places. He starts it in Bethlehems. In mangers. In haystacks. And I go to this... And this guy calls me out and says, The Lord says, I'll restore Antioch again. And I'm moving my, my, my headquarters from Jerusalem to Antioch. And once again, mission, na- mission teams will be sent to the nations. And this prophetic lady from Florida stands up and she says, And there's this campus you're on. And God says that others have sown there, but you're going to reap. And God's going to give you the campus. These are my promises. We saw a great revival on this place. For three years, hundreds of thousands of people came through our doors. It, kind of, it died down. One day, I'm in my auditorium after the revival. And I'm crying out to God, Is there any more revival coming to my auditorium? If there is, give my son a dream this morning. I walk home that morning, early in the morning. My son Jesse, 11 years old, is sitting there in his couch with his Bible open, reading the book of Daniel and weeping. And I say, son, why are you weeping? He says, dad, I just had a dream. And in the dream I was sleeping and someone said, shook me and said, wake up, Jesse. There's another great revival coming to my auditorium. (laughs) I have not seen that revival. In 2003, I went on an eight-year journey across America to battle abortion. I took on Jezebel in prayer and fasting. The storyline is amazing. You know the story. The abortion, the homosexual movement. Just realized, as I was with Benji, that I was fasting and praying in California over the Jezebel spirit. He said, Lou, do you remember? I was your assistant during those 40 days. Sex trafficking came out of that fast. The nefarious movement in Exodus Christ was born because we challenged the principalities and powers in the spirit. And I'm not saying shouting at devils. I'm saying taking a stand in the victory of Christ and resisting the powers in the name of the victory of Christ. By the way, keep throwing that stone at that philosophy building. Best thing you can do. We just declare in Jesus' name that man is the measure of all things. Will fall to what is man that thou art mindful of. You just keep throwing that stone and if you throw it enough times... A giant oh. will come crashing, oh. yes. crashing down. Sometime, it will come crashing down. Yes. The man uh, at, at, at uh, Hackett, there in, in IHOP, had a dream of a huge giant. And he said, in the dream, I took a hammer to the drive, and nothing happened. And he said, a hundred times, I hit that giant. And then suddenly, on the hundredth jump, <laughs> The giant came crashing down, and he hears the voice of the Lord in the dream, saying, what was the most important strike? Mm. The answer is every one of them. Just keep hammering at Harvard's secularism. Harvard's humanism. You keep hammering, smash it, break it. You hold fast, Derek Prince's word, that Boston is the Jericho of America. And when intellectualism falls in Boston, the whole nation gets a revival. Folks, that's what you do. You take the promises of God, and you hammer those things over and over, and you never stop. And you don't let your failures disqualify you. I'll go there in a moment, because Satan would like to disqualify you on your performance and behavior, rather than on his free gift of righteousness. And his faithfulness to fulfill problem, promises in spite of problem people that he gives them to. He
2: didn't
0: that. I am a problem person. I've got many problems. Inward problems. That's my son. I, but what I do is I've got to lock on to promises.
2: Amen.
0: Or rather, he's got to lock on to me. And the only thing you can actually do to disqualify yourself is quit. Get bitter, get offended, and quit. Rather than standing in the righteousness of Christ. He said, I don't care about my before. There is a man who has performed Christ Jesus. The perfect man. And he stands in the presence of God. Ever any seating for me. And my failures don't disqualify me.
1: Because
0: the promises of God are yes and amen. amen. Anyway, I'm telling you this storyline. I go on this eight year journey. And part of that journey is when we marched here and we launched with Bethany that 40 days we launched the house of prayer and the whole thing goes on. And I'm just so rocked again to hear the prophetic a little bit of the prophetic history with Daryl and Bethany today. Her promises are so radically impossible. It's true. <laughs> to even make up my wife Bethany 2001 was with me we stand in the picture in the face in the front of Mott Auditorium John Arnott's picture Arnott's picture is there she breaks down in travail and weeping they know the story but I'll tell it too something comes over her she's back in Boston she gets stirred to get a, a book and give it to Brian Kim on the evangelization of the world by John Armott. The guy. She says, God, I, I want this copy of this book so bad, but I don't have enough money to buy it to buy it. And I'm going to give it to Brian. But I'm asking you to confirm that this word is for me as well, the John Armott Student Missions Movement of New England. God, confirm it by giving me this book. The day. She actually sends the money and the book to Brian. Is the day my wife had felt in her heart to mail the same copy of the book to Bethany and it arrives in the mail the day she. Folks, do you know what that means? That means there's a student missions movement coming out of New England schools. That's what that means. Nothing left. Revival and a student missions movement. So I've got these promises. Eight years go by and something begins to happen to me. And I'm going to go somewhere with this. Because I've got tomorrow and tonight to, to, to hit these things. It's so good to be with the Amobiles who have been with us in this whole journey. But um, let me just say to you, there, to every person there is, there is given by God a gift, a territory, and a promise. You have a gift, you have a territory, and you have a promise from God. Say it with me. A gift, a territory, and a promise. Some of you think, I don't know who, what my territory is. I don't know who I am. I don't know my gift. You're trying to find that out. I want to tell you, you have a gift from God. You have a sphere of a, of a lot that was given to you, a piece of land, somewhere where you're going to exercise that gift. A territory and a promise. I know what my promise is. It's revival and a missions movement. And many others as well.
1: <laughs>
0: I want you to turn with me, if you would, quickly to First um, Timothy, <laughs> chapter First uh, Timothy, chapter. I think it's one. If I can find it, yes. Verse eighteen. This charge, 1 Timothy 1 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my son. Don't you love this generational deal? Mm-hmm. This charge I commit to you, Bethany and Daryl, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Can I you give another word for prophecies? I charge you, I entrust you that you keep the prophecies alive by fighting, a, you, you fight a good warfare by standing on the prophecies that's been given to you. i like to put another word. The storyline would be another word for prophecies. I like that because sometimes prophecy we just get wrapped up in a spiritual gift. Actually, God has a storyline for each of your lives. This is so exciting. Maybe you've seen me talk. There is a story that God has written from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation that it would be this, that every tribe and tongue would be around His throne worshiping and the earth would be filled with the glory of the Lord. There's a story from Eden to Eden in the book of Genesis to Revelation. But in that story... He actually has a storyline for each of us. Your storyline must be fitting with His great storyline. So if you're you're a business person, you're looking to fund every tribe and every tongue coming to the kingdom. Come on. Justice and righteousness in the earth. That's why you do it. You don't do it to become a millionaire. You do it because you're a part of the great storyline. In fact, if you don't... In fact, you'll never really know your storyline unless you know the whole story. Right. <laughs> Got to know the story of God from book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Good. But each of you have a storyline. And I've said many times, dreams are the chapter titles of the next chapter. Mm. Dreams are actually like chapter titles of that which is coming. I look back at all my promises and I'm thinking, man, from the beginning. All the promises are still on. There were glimpses in the introduction, but on chapter 13, I step into the thing that was actually introduced at the beginning in 1996. Things were being introduced in 1996 that even just now I'm starting to understand. God's not dumb, we are. We try to write our own stories. What you need is a ghostwriter. Holy Ghost. Don't try to write your own book. Find out the book that God has already written about your life. Amen. You might have heard me or seen me. I tell it all the time, but I never get bored with it. There, God does not tell stories about your God. life. You're not a mathematical equation. How many have heard me do the Joseph story? Two or three or four of you. How many of have heard me do the Joseph story? Not that many. I'll give it it to these. (laughs) Because if there is a storyline, if there's a storyline, God's not a bad author. And so your down times are actually part of the story. So you don't kill yourself in the bad because the down times are a part of the novel. So, you know, God doesn't do mathematical principles. He would a graph a person's life, a graph a person's story. I mean, it, 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 he doesn't do graphs. He does, does poetry. Mm. The Bible says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for works to do bo- that he planned before. Him. That word workmanship is the word poetry. Mm. We are his poem. Come on. We are poems of God. He didn't write. Little ankle. No, romance, I saw a woman coming into my life, come on. You know, know, God is a great storyteller. But if you could graph Joseph's life, this would be Joseph's life. It's a dream. Joseph's life is this. If you graph it, he's loved by his father, hated by his brothers. Has a multicolored coat. Dream's a dream. He's going to rule over his brothers. His brothers hate him all the more and throw him into the pit. (laughs) Send him as a prisoner and as a slave to Potiphar's house. There he rules Potiphar's house. He's falsely accused of rape and doesn't get bitter. Because if you get bitter, you shut down the whole storyline. If you get jaded, you shut down the whole storyline. It's all their fault. Everybody's fault, not mine. Everybody, No, the story goes on. In spite of how messy and ugly it is, God has a way of reading out glorious storylines out of pain and frustration. I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, how did I get here? Not because I made a good decision. I, he hedged me in behind and before. Come on. Psalm 139, he just doesn't leave. He doesn't just write a book and say, Well, I hope you guys live it up." He hedges us behind and wow. before. We try to go this way, boom, bang. But eventually we did. It. It's the way it works. He's thrown into prison. He becomes the ruler of prison. Interprets a dream in prison is forgotten in prison until Pharaoh has a dream in the fullness of time he interprets it and the dream from his youth becomes true at age 30, 13 years. But the story is this and here's your graph. You graph it like this and then you line a line and it's a crown. It all makes sense in the end if you don't bail out on the storyline. Ah, yes. So what happens is, He tells you at points in your life, usually at the beginning of things, He never tells you the bad news prophecies. You'll be a ruler of many nations. If He would have said, Well, you'll be thrown in prison, you'll be thrown in the pit, you'll be thrown... He said, No, thank you. But He doesn't give you the bad news. Except for Paul. And I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. Now, okay. But Paul was different. He was just a Jewish wild man. God couldn't trust him with the bad news. But us, no bad news. auditorium, 24-hour house of prayer. I'm going to give you the campus. And oh, the hell to get to that place. And everything within you screams, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, you can't. Hold on. God is actually more more committed to conforming you to the image of His Son than fulfilling your dreams. He wants to produce sons after His own nature that can only be produced by the problems and the difficulties. And if you don't quit, He is chiseling you.
1: It's
0: glorious. That's what Paul says. We rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulations works patience and patience endurance, endurance hope and hope does not disappoint. For the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Folks, you go through the patience, the endurance, to endure the pro- endure until the tr- storyline unfolds. Pride and Prejudice. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, come on, you just gotta go through it. <laughs> So, eight years, I leave my auditorium, student missions movement, these things. I'm on this journey, and abortion, it's so difficult. The movement that I start gets split. The guy wants to go somewhere. I give up the whole movement. I die a hundred times. It's just like, it's just like, why? And then, this year, I'm, this is where I'm going to go. Uh, this past year, 2012, I have a dream. And, of course, I met with Bethany and, that, and the whole thing, you know. And I go, to my, I go to Mike Bickle and I tell him I'm in a transition. I tell him the dream. I tell him what's going on. And, and Mike says, you've got to go. You've got to follow the Word of God to your heart. And then he says to me, by the way, Lou, I've been praying for five months. The last five months I've been praying for you that you would receive your inheritance at in Maud Auditorium in Pasadena. Now for eight years, the vision had died. Student missions movement. Ah, yeah, where does that all land? I, I know I got these things, but they've never died, but they just went dormant. Sometimes the promises of God, you can't do anything but just kind of like file them in faith. Nothing you could pull up. There's a fullness of time. You can't make it happen. You just got to basically say, God, form me into the image of your son. Amen. At the same time, Mike says this to me, the guy who's the president of the U.S. Center for World Missions, calls Daniel Lim of IHOP and said, The people that have been in my auditorium have moved, are moving. Would Lou Engel come and plant a house of prayer in Mod Auditorium? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I'm coming back into my inheritance and the promises of God. My friend Chris Berglund has a dream. In the dream, an angel appears to me, gives me a key with the number 731 on it. And the angel says to me in the dream, my name is, I'll meet you on the mountain. Mm. What would you do with a dream like that? (laughs) (laughs) But because I know the language of God, in 1996, during that 40 day fast, God spoke to me that Mod Auditorium and 40 days of fasting is the mountain of God. And I felt like the Lord said, Go back to Mod Auditorium, pray for 40 days, and maybe an angel will appear to you on 731. Have the 40th day be July 31st. (laughs) (laughs) You're so weird, Lou. Exactly. I believe God talks in dreams. Amen. In language that the wise and intelligent don't understand, but he reveals them to babes. Give us some brilliant Daniels who get dreams and visions in Harvard. Amen. And believe them. And so I'm there. It's an amazing story that goes on for those 40 days. And On the 39th day, the president of the U.S. Center for World Mission, where Mott Auditorium is, basically stands uh, call, uh, calls my wife and says... Hey, I found this book. I've been looking all over America for it on the history of Mott Auditorium. And uh, I found it in a Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City. He says, he, a, 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 and he said, a, a, and it's on Mott Auditorium. I think Lou wants to read this book tonight because it's, it's 731. I think it's about his dream being fulfilled. I wish I could show it to you on the screen, but... He gives me the book and all night long I read this book in my auditorium. I wish you could see it. And it's a picture, the, the title is The Key Works. <laughs> and it's a picture of Mott auditorium on a mountain with a key over it. Uh, Do you know what it means to me? Do you know what it means to me? It means all the promises of God are on. The student volunteer missions movement is on. Another great revival coming to my auditorium is on. You see what I'm saying? So I'm praying, God, I can't even. How can I move my family? It's too big a job. I'm 60, my wife, I can't put her through this. I can't move my house in Kansas City. It's too much. I don't know how to do it. God, give me a house. When you get into the stream, things begin happening. When you begin to get into the stream of fulfilled promises, God begins to move. I didn't know that Daniel Lim had prophesied to Brian Kim years ago, a year ago that Lou Engel would be given a house and it would be a sign that he would go to Pasadena and live again. I am praying and the lady appears, calls me and says, I heard you're moving here. I'm buying you a house. Come tomorrow, I'll show it to you. It's on Hill Avenue. I have been praying for years because the campus is on Hill Avenue. Give me this hill country. Caleb, who's been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, give me this hill country. There's giants, but you promised me as my inheritance. Give me this hill country. It's on Hill Avenue. It's a 10-minute walk to my auditorium. And think all the promises of God are on. Because of this, I've just launched a house of prayer in my auditorium. It's a small company of 25 people right now. And we're praying, Lord, the harvest, ex-bolo laborers into the harvest field. Yeah. Revivals coming to America. Let me go on, tell you a few. It was a couple of years ago. I prophesied that the missions movement is kissing the prayer movement. They're going to join together. I connected with YWAM. Out of this whole story, a movement began to take place, connected to YWAM. And uh, I'm in a meeting with the YWAM leaders and they give this message. The call is making a major shift. From just fasting and prayer in stadiums to the proclamation of the gospel and signs and wonders. And stadiums will be filled and it has to do with Billy Graham's mantle coming again on the nation. Mass evangelism. I thought, yeah, isn't that awesome? Maybe, maybe the call becomes the send. Maybe they get the same missionaries. And I don't know. I'm just kind of joking. Two days go by, a prophet calls my friend at the last five minutes of the meeting and the prophet knows nothing and he says, tell Lou Engel that I had a visitation last night. Tell him that there's a major shift coming to the call. And if the shift is to the proclamation of the gospel, signs and wonders and stadiums will be filled. And it has to do with the mantle of Billy Graham coming on the niche. Oh, Folks, let me tell you, God's not done with America. God is going to bring sweeping, awakening. Yes. I believe stadiums are going to be filled. You say, Lou, how do you know that? Because these things are so supernatural, you couldn't make them up. Yep. And rather than being jaded, I believe the promises. Oh, and if I don't see them in my lifetime, I'll inherit it in the millennium. And my sons and daughters will inherit it now. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Right now, right now, I am believing and I'm praying. I've fasted for these 40 days. I've fasted God Phil stadiums in America. In the days of President Obama, thousands start getting saved. Millions start getting saved. We're praying for a million Hispanics in California to the dream that was given. You see, we lock on to the promises. This passage, look at it again. First Timothy This charge I entrusted you, Bethany, my daughter, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, but that by then you may wage the good warfare. How do you stay alive when the promises aren't having happened? You hold on to those promises, those dreams that came to you, the dreams of the day and the dreams of the night, and you hold on to them with all your heart, and you claim them and you never stop. You never become a pessimist. Even in the darkest hour, God is able to bring his glory. In fact, that's when he does bring his glory. So that we all know that he did it rather than some superstar. Man. I feel that God spoke to me today said so to give you courage today in this place. As a grain of mustard seed, you have prophecies of revival in New England students. Brother, my Brazilian friend, Edson, You've just held on to that line. You're like an immovable pillar. Nothing moves you. Because you have promises from God. You go down as one of the great saints in the earth. While everyone else was apostatizing in New England and making compromises. The old man just stood his line and says, I believe. I believe. You're like Caleb. Give me this hill country. I feel like I'm getting an inheritance and I feel like this place is soon to get its inheritance in a new dimension. Yeah. I feel that I stepped at the beginning of that last year. A dream was given to me that Lou Engel would receive an inheritance from his great-grandfather and I would be handing out bags of gold to J-Hops. Do you know what just happened? I believe that bags of gold is when you get your inheritance, Lou, the inheritance will be coming on all your sons and daughters. Yeah. Yeah they'll begin to claim inheritance. So what happens is, we're down in D.C. with Matt Lockett. Did you tell them the story?
1: No, we just got back. We just you got back. Just got <laughs> back M- Last
0: year, I go down, because of the dream that was given to us at Bound for Life 12, 8 years ago, and the dream was that we were in these courthouses, can you hang with me? Yeah. In these court courtrooms, and then a big hole led to a big courtroom called the Appomattox courtroom, and there God was preparing to take Roe v. Wade to court, If you don't deal with it in your courts, I'll deal with it in my court. And the name of the courtroom was Appomattox Courtroom. That's where the Civil War ended after 650,000 men died on the battlefields because we didn't do it with Dred Scott. We didn't deal with it in our courtroom since God says, I'm going to allow the the blood of Americans to actually be spilt. Until there was an atonement for the blood of the slaves that took place. There is a principle in these things. Appomattox. For years we pray, God have mercy. Don't let us go to Appomattox courthouse. Last year in January 2012, I said, Matt, we've got to go to Appomattox and pray. We go down to Appomattox yeah. and pray. We go down there after we pray in those places and God, have mercy on America. Send revival, show mercy. And Matt, and I, then we go into the bookstore that there's at App- Appomattox. I open up, I'm starting to read it, and I find that the last shots were fired in a place called Lockett's Farm. Now, this man's name that runs bound for life, his name is Matt Lockett. I said, Isn't this a great symbolic thing that Matt, you're an intercessor to stop the bloodshed of abortion? Yeah. And your name's Lockett. Isn't that a great symbolic thing? <laughs> He just found out. As you've been talking about this, his brother has done an extensive genealogical research. Nat Lockett's farm is his great-great-grandfather's farm. It's his very farm. Come on. (laughs) My God, this is too much. It's storyline. It's finding your name after 10 years of fighting it out and feeling like all all alone. And Lou doesn't love me. And nobody else loves me. (laughs) God, Lou's abandoned me. And yet he just holds the line because he's got promises. Come on. And then when you stood long enough, when you prayed long enough, when everything sought to drive you off your field, and you said, Over my dead body, I've got promises and inheritance right here. You're not moving me. Some of you guys will move to your inheritance, but Bethany and Daryl, they've been invited to many richer fields. Come to Kansas City. Come to Pasadena. No, my promises are right here.
1: Yeah.
0: There comes a time when everything overflows and God says, you pass from death through death. Now it's resurrection. I want to tell you something with these explosions. of death is going to loose an explosion of resurrection. If I had a promise like this in Boston, I'd put my head between my knees and begin to pray for the explosion of revival in this I think we're in it. I think in the days of Obama, stadiums are going to be filled with so many saved. At least I would like to go down shooting for it. And if I don't see it in the next four years, hey, at least I didn't live bored. I stayed alive by the promises of it. While everybody else is wandering in the wilderness of unbelief and doubt. Look at It, it says it right here. I want you to hold on to this thing. It says it right there. I entrust to you, Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them, these promises you may wage the good warfare, holding off holding what? Faith Faith and a clean conscience. By rejecting these, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Here's what you do you hold on to faith, you hold on to the promise of God. You hold on to God, the God who's promised, the faithful one, you're not faithful, but He's faithful. And then you hold on to a clean conscience, you know how you hold on to a clean conscience by refusing the accusers, accusations over your life that keep telling you that you didn't fail and you lost your inheritance because you didn't fulfill, and you didn't live up, and because of your shame, and He throws us till finally you give up and says, "No, no, you keep a clean conscience. By staying in the finished work of Christ who has made you a son and righteous. And so when shame comes upon you, you refuse the veil of shame and you enter back into the Edenic world and you have fellowship with God the Father walking in Eden because He has made a sacrifice and He's clothed you with His covering. Listen, if you don't gaze on His image because you're ashamed, And you can't look at his face because of your shame. You will for sure look at another image. Because your whole being is made and created to gaze at another image. We are made in his image and we're transformed by gazing. How can you gaze upon him with shame in your heart? You don't. So he keeps you in shame so that you actually lose a clean conscience. And losing a clean conscience, you lose faith. And you spiral down until you're shipwrecked. There's only one help (laughs) for failure. Hallelujah. (laughs) Through a new and living way, we have access with a blood sprinkling our conscience. If I was looking at all my failures, it would be absolutely overwhelming. I said, no, the promises of God are yes and amen. And I have no other hope but the gospel of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Refuse to stay looking at the image of other images and my own shame. No, there's no veil. Amen. And when a man turns to the Lord, it doesn't mean... I think we say, well, if he repents from all this?" sin... Actually, if you turn to the Lord and get your eyes on the image of His face... Actually, these things break off of you. Oh, I'm trying to change my image. I'm trying to repent, 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 repent. doesn't work. Come into the access of the presence of God, who actually holds you through His finished work and sees you through to the end of the fulfillment of the promise. It's faith in Him and hope in His promises. I want to give you faith tonight, encouragement. That Bethany and Daryl keep laying before you the prophetic history. It's too radically radical not to believe. I got to believe the days are coming when Harvard and New England wealth are going to become leaves for the healing of the nations. That the gifts and the promises of God are without repentance. There's still a righteous root in New England. There's still a covenant. There's still a promise. Did I ever tell you the story? And I'll end here. Years ago, during the revival in California, I went to this place to preach to this youth group. And I told them, These kids in California, God's going to show mercy to the youth of America because of the great-great-grandchildren of Jonathan Edwards. And just like David remembered his covenant with Jonathan and showed mercy to Mephibosheth, which is a crippled, disqualified son, but because he was a son of the covenant, God, David showed mercy. God spoke to my heart. I'm going to show mercy to the youth of America because they're the still the kids of the covenant. Even though they're broken, they don't even know that the places that they're standing, drinking in their bars, and getting blasted and raging, in so, the very place where their forefathers saw revival. He remembers his covenant with Jonathan Edwards. I've not preached, said this to anybody. That was what I was going to preach on. Kid walks up to me and says, Hey, Mr. Engel. I didn't know the kid. I just found out this week that I'm the great, 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 great grandson of Jonathan Edwards. These kids in Harvard and Boston College and MIT, all these places around New England, they're vacant-eyed punk rockers or whatever they are. They're lost. They're in witchcraft. But they don't know that there's a covenantal root inside yeah. of them. And there's prayers of generations that God is going to fulfill. And some. God is going to open up this ancient well. And when it does, Jericho falls, revival breaks out, and the nations get touched once again from Boston and New England. Stand with me, Thank you, Jesus. You're loved by God, you're the righteousness of Christ. Come on, say it with me. I and the righteousness of Christ. I don't look at my own sin. I look at the image of His face. I'm transformed. I'm a new creation in you. I'm clothed in righteousness. I have access. Go ahead. I have access into the face of the Father. Without shame. Say it. Without shame. Forgetting what lies behind, I press forward to the prize yes. of the high calling. I forget my past and my failures. Yes. The promises of God are yes and amen, yes. and I add my yes, yes, my amen to His yes. yes in Christ, yes. all the promises are yes, are amen, and I add my amen amen. Can you say I'm adding my amen to the promises. The word he gave you when he called you to the university. That you would be a scientist. That you would bring forth discoveries that would change the world. You would be a business person that shaped the world. The gospel. You would be a missionary. I want to tell you, there's a missionary here tonight. I felt God said, there's someone that's going to be sent from this place to Dagestan. I'm going to send a son of this house or a daughter of this house to Dagestan and where those men's lives destroyed those lives I'm going to bring forth fruit out of death I bring salvation to the Caucasus mountains Holy Spirit even come right now you might be even putting that fire that burning that student bishop movement is right here in this place God Lord, I pray, give dreams tonight. Call men and women destiny dreams. Callings of God. The best and brightest of America, God. Thrust them into the harvest fields. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Ekbolo. Tonight, Lord, I just pray. that men and women lay hold of the storyline of God again. Give them faith that wherever they are in the journey, in the chapter that they're in. Then, God, you've done, you are the author and the finisher of my book. Come on, say it. Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. Come on. Strengthen him with these words. Father, I pray for this house of prayer. I pray that a grain of mustard seed will fill this whole region with leaven. I thank you that it's already happening, that the influence out of a small and inauspicious, uh, uh, however that word was, uh, not, uh, spish, not auspicious, company, a small little seed, would fill all of New England and the earth, God. In Jesus' name, bless this house. Let its music that comes out of this house, the Lord says, the music that comes from this house will fill the whole earth. I prophesy, will, Daryl, your sounds will fill the whole earth. He'll be singing your songs in Dagestan. Amen. Cast your bread upon the waters. Throw it out there and watch it fly. Fulfill the dreams of generation five. Pray for Bethany, God. We ask for bread for College, God. We ask for Northfield. We ask for a student missions movement. We ask for a third grade awakening. We ask for Boston. and Bradford be the cross point of revival. God and missions do it Lord. We believe the promises. Right now I want you to just repent from any cynicism. Jade. Jaded hearts. Where you lost faith and you just got into unbelief. and You begin to just speak negative. I want you to break those words. Break those thoughts. I believe the promises. Would you do that right now? Say, so God, I'm stirring it up. I'm stirring up that faith inside of me. Fan in the flame the gift of God that is in you by the laying on of hands. Remember the prophecies that were spoken on you. And by these wage the great fate and fight of faith. Forget your failures. Go on. The story is still being folded. Father, I thank you, Jesus.
1: this but um and i don't think he knows this but when we were here three years ago praying for 40 days for boston multiple times throughout those days this dream came forth what one of our prophetic antennas dreamt four times in 40 days that the lord said all of his promises are yes and amen to those who believe wow and at the end of our 40 days they're putting up the banners throughout cambridge for the marathon and the motto for the marathon in 2010 was this it's all about the promises wow God. now we haven't been here for three years an extended time so when we arrived this year we thought what is the, what is the motto on the marathon banners this year and the motto is this is your moment wow.
2: wow now
1: this was an extraordinary week for us all in the city but last night I dreamt that I dreamt that the Lord said, we need to run as if to win. We need to run to finish the race. And he said, this is how we will finish the race. He said, we are to commemorate. That was the one word, commemorate. And it means to honor or keep alive the memory of something. To remember, to remind ourselves. And so all night as Lewis speaking, I realized he's commemorating. He's commemorating, and I believe this is our moment to take hold of the promises and to see this through to the end. We are the end of hundreds of years, this 100-year story, 200-year two, story yeah. of this mission's movement. We get to run the final Come day. on. Amen, God. This is God's promises. And and like Lou said, we have our story within the greater story within the greater story. Yeah, and so I just wanted to encourage us with that tonight. Amen. Amen. God. God. Thank
2: you. Will is going to close us out with a time of worship, but I just want to encourage us as a community. It's my desire as Lou and Jesse leave tomorrow that we would be able to sow generously into Lou. When he, I'm just going to let you guys know whenever he comes here, he asks for nothing. He gives sacrificially He actually never receives an honorarium, but that will be absolutely refused this time because he has just always come so willingly, and I want us as a community to really so extravagantly as he is stepping, most of you guys actually heard the story of his house, because I just wept when I found out about his house, like, was that, when was that, December or January? I wept for three days, and most of you guys know, I came on a Sunday morning, and I actually told them the storyline of your house in Mott Auditorium. And I basically said to our whole community that Sunday, I said, if this is coming to pass for Lou, this actually means we're stepping into the fulfillment of promise. And yeah. I recounted the whole John Armand storyline. And I just want, in this season of transition, as he is even stepping into fulfillment, I want us to be able to sow into where he and his family are going in this next season. Yeah. So I just encourage you to sow seed and to lose life. Yeah. Let's
0: pray over this offering. Father, we just ask for generosity. Yes. God to so... Yes. Lord, into the man that sown so much into us. God, rather that be face to face or from a distance, God, we want to honor this man. So God increase, Lord, these finances. As we pour, God, our resources into the
1: mission. That which you're doing, God, bless us. Multiply it.